Lord, we're so glad your goodness came running after us. We were lost in the depravity of sin, Lord God, and you made us whole. You came and dug us out. You came and rescued us from the disaster to which we were heading. Lord, your goodness chased us down. You are that good shepherd that last leaves the 99 and goes after the one that was lost. And today, Lord, I pray that there's a lot of number ones out there that are lost. And I pray that today is the day that you bring them into your kingdom. Whether they be in this church or the church down the road or the church on the other side of the world, Lord, your goodness runs after them. Lord, today, bring people, many people into the fold of God. Lord, because your goodness is still running after them. Lord, today we give you our lives again. We surrender, as the song said, we surrender to you. And that has a lot to do with our message today. Lord God, I pray that people are willing to surrender to you. Listen, they messed up their lives, a lot of them. They're already messed up. And all they can hope for is a, a better life. And you have an offering for them that they can be born again. They can actually start over and renew their life. Lord God, help them today. Give them the courage, the faith, and the wisdom to come forth today and, and come into the fold of you, the living God, the great shepherd. Lord, today we give you our hearts. I give you mine. You can have it. I want you to renew it and make it whole and cleanse it from all unrighteousness. And while you're at it, drench me in your love. In Jesus' name, we pray, Father. Amen and amen. Thank you, Matt. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you. Listen, Tom. For those, we have a new audience, so I'm going to go through what I went through a little earlier for those of you who are here. You know, I wanted to tell you that you're listening to Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're located at 2810 High Paluxo Road in Lantana, Florida, which is the West Palm Beach, Boynton Beach area. So if you're local, come on out. If you're not local, you know, I know people watch in Connecticut, people watch up in New Hampshire, people on, in, in South America watch. So we're glad you're, you're out there. You know, we're, we preach the full gospel of Christ here. But if you're local, come on by and see us. We're a small church, family church, who preaches the full gospel of Christ. So come on and, and say hi to us and meet us. You might just find out you'll fall in love with us. But most of all, we're here so you fall in love with Jesus. That's what it's all about. Listen, um, if you're online, since you're online and new, it's Freedom Church PB. Stands for PalmBeach.org, FreedomChurchPB.org. You can find out our beliefs. You can find out our address. You can see our list of ministries. You can even watch past services from years ago if one uh, uh, comes to your heart. You can even donate online. Just go to the Give Lifey button. You know, it's uh, and and you can donate right there. It's very simple. You know, to keep the gospel going forth. From from, uh, you know what. Somebody said to me last week, they said, you know, is it worth the rent you pay to preach the gospel? Can't you go get cheaper rent? Well, we can't find cheaper rent. We can't find a better place. And uh, is, it, is it necessary that we spend that kind of money? And I says, well, you see that guy over there? He just got saved. 
You see that person over there? They just got delivered. What's their soul worth? Huh? What's their soul worth? It's worth a lot more than the rent money. I can guarantee you that. It's worth the blood of Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You get the chills. The Lord God saved you with his own blood through the person of his Messiah, Jesus Christ. Oh, man, if we could just get that in our heart, soul, and spirit. And this whole world would do a, an about face and come to know Christ. Listen, so if you're here and you've never been here before, there's boxes in the back. Should you want to donate? We don't force anybody to donate. It's God loves a cheerful giver. You know that you're, you're responsible, so it's up to you. You know, um, I told the person about, uh, I'd say about five years ago, he said to me, Pastor Joe, should I tithe? I says, yeah, you should tithe, but if you're, if you don't, if you're not happy about it, please don't. I said, because God loves a cheerful giver. You know what? That guy, to this day, keeps sending money in from another state every month, sends us a donation. Every month he's been doing it for since I talked to him five, six years ago. Unbelievable. He's cheerfully giving now. <laughs> Whether it's a tithe or not, I don't know. I don't really care. That's between him and God. But, but I'll tell you what, that's the way God works. It's amazing. So if you want to give, there's boxes in the back. We thank you. For, for if you're local men, we have a men's Bible study every Sunday at 9 a.m. Every Saturday, I'm sorry, 9 a.m. And if you're local, come on by. We have a great time. We have a good group of guys. can be anywhere from 4 to 12. Right now it's hoovering around 5, 6, 7. So Jim's teaching. He's a chaplain. He's well-versed in Scripture, believe me. Um, he challenges me. And I'm sure I challenge him because he's told me. <laughs> so, so listen, um, I thank you for those online that give in other states. We really appreciate And those that tune in every week, God bless you. You know, you're the reason why we're here. Uh, we're, you're the reason why we continue here so that you're really the reason that helps bring people into the kingdom. And we thank you and be delivered. Listen, um, Matt sang some of the Beatitudes this morning. And one of the Beatitudes is... You know, uh, blessed are the mourners. And this morning, my wife and I are mourning because um, we lost mom yesterday at 5.55 p.m. So Liz is home just uh, mourning, you know. I don't know about you guys, but I had a great relationship with my mother-in-law. She had a godly woman. The only problem I had with her is she spoke Spanish, and I had a hard time understanding Spanglish, <laughs> you know. But, but she was a beautiful woman, beautiful heart, and she left us yesterday, and uh, we're mourning. But we know where she's at. I know her. She ran right up to Jesus and jumped on his lap, <laughs> you know. So uh, um, just um, pray for us. And pray for the family, and I'd like to do that now, just for the family, because they, you can see her son-in-law loved her. Imagine what her children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren feel about her. She's a lovely woman. Father God, today we come to you in the name of Jesus. Father, we were there when you took her home, whispering in her ear, praying for her, loving on her, and we know that you stepped into that room because your word says, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I were, would not have told you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself. 
And we know you stopped in that room, took, uh, took uh, her with you, Lord, up into the kingdom of heaven with the loved ones that she lost over the years. You know what? So everybody says the angels are there when, when, um, when we pass away, and that's probably true, but they come with the Lord Jesus to pick up his saints whom he loves. Don't forget, he's engaged to us, and he's coming to get his future bride, even whether it be the rapture or whether it be in the deathbed, he's coming to get us. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, Father. Put peace upon the family. Our hearts are broken, Lord God. And let them remember what you told us, that eye hasn't seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the hearts of men all that you have prepared for those who love you. What an amazing sight she's seeing right now. She's probably saying, and I said it yesterday when I prayed just before she passed, I said, when she gets to the kingdom of heaven, we're going to say, what did I want to stay on earth for? Because of the beauty. But the most, most beautiful thing is to look into the eyes of my Savior, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, everybody. I've been in too many of those. As a pastor, I've been in too many of those. And remember last week, uh, and my wife brought it up this week, I told you I hate death. Boy, if I could, if he was physical right now, I would be pouncing on him, you know. But he's the last enemy that's going to be destroyed. It's going to be those in the bottomless pit. They're going to end up in the lake of fire. Then the unholy trinity is going to be thrown into the lake of fire. And then Satan himself is going to be thrown into the lake of fire. And the last enemy, death, is going to be thrown into the lake of fire like a fire, and thus we will be back to where we started, oneness with God. The kingdom will be pure, and there will be no sin anymore, because it was dealt with by Jesus our Lord. What a blessed Savior we have. If you don't know that, you need to know that and fall in love with him. He even told one of the churches, I have this against of you. You've lost your first love. Time to come back. Time to come back and love on your Lord because he loved you so much. He took the penalty of your sin on that cross for you. It was you that should have been nailed there, but he was nailed there. And all of our judgment for sin passes on to him for those who received him. You can find that in John chapter 8, verse 30 through 32. All right. Now, if we're going to continue where we were last week, um, I started a study last week, and it was named Wrestling with God. And it comes out of the 32nd chapter of, um, of Genesis, and it's about Jacob, Jacob, who, who uh, is wrestling with God, okay? And um, I'm going to read the passage to you. Last week, we only covered like a few verses. It's a 10-verse chapter here from Genesis 32, verse 22 through 32. I got a couple verses, you know, maybe the first two or three, and then, then I did hit on some of the other verses, but we're going to dig in deeper. I don't even know if we'll finish it again this week. If we don't, that's okay. We got another week unless the Lord comes back and gets us out of here, which I would prefer to happen. 
Um, so I'm going to read from you, and I believe this is the New King James Version I'm going to read. Jacob wrestles with the Lord here, and um, some people say it was an angel. Well, when he named a place, I saw the face of God. You know, he was wrestling with the angel of the Lord, which is a Christophany, which is a pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Old Testament, and there are many of those. I've, I've taught through that. I've even taught a class at the last church right down the street called Gems in the Scriptures. You know, and I pulled out stuff like that, Christophanies, typologies, beautiful pictures of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But Jacob's wrestling with him, and what he's wrestling for is domination. God wants him to, his life to be dominated with him. Jacob's name was Jacob, and it meant deceiver or liar or supplanter, and God's going to rename him here. He's going to rename him Israel, which it means you know, governed by God. So he's going to have a change going on. He believed in God, but he was playing games with God. You know, he believed in God when he wanted to or whenever he needed God. But after this experience, there was no more wrestling. He was surrendered to the Lord. And the Lord touched his hip and put it out of joint so that he would have a lifetime of remembering you wrestled with Almighty God. And you prevailed. How did you prevail? Because you surrendered. You surrendered. And when God, the, Lord, the Lord blessed him, he surrendered to him. And then he let the Lord go. Well, the Lord is much more powerful than Jacob. The whole idea was of, the, of this passage is to bring Jacob into submission to God. And that's what I'm hoping it does with us today. Jacob wrestled with the Lord. Last week's title was Wrestling with God. This week's title is Wrestling with Our Sin. Wrestling with Sin. You know, um, here's the passage. Let me read it. Genesis 32, 22. And he, Jacob, that stands for, rose up at that, that night and took his two wives and his two slave women and his eleven sons and passed over the ford of Jabbok. Now, Jabuk, I'm going to tell you what Jabuk is. Jabuk is a tributary of the Jordan River, okay? That tributary was on the east side, okay? And the, and the, and the name Jabuk actually means gurgling to while you empty. Like if I took this bottle and I would dump it out into a pan, it would gurgle, but it would be emptied. And that's what's going to happen to Jacob. He's going to be emptied out. And his, his wrestling with God is the gurgling that goes along with it. This place was named appropriately for this particular situation so that we could see Jacob wrestling with his sin, wrestling with the Lord, and coming out on the other side, a new creature, born again, I could say, Old Testament, born again. Because he was just a believer Oh, okay, I love you, God. I think I'll go to church today. I think I'll read your Bible. Well, whenever he was done with this, it's like, I'm fully committed. I'm fully committed to you, Lord. So here it is, verse 23. And he, Jacob, took them and sent them over the stream and sent over what he had. That's everything that he had. Remember, he's running, he's going back to his home. Esau, his brother, who he cheated out of his birthright, is wanting to kill him. 
And he figures, I'm going to save my family. He sent them over, over the other side so that, so that when, when uh, Esau came with his army of 400 men, he, he, they would have a chance to escape. So anyway, and he, Jacob, took them and sent them over the stream and sent them over what he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man, capital M, I might say, if you're in your Bible, wrestled there with him until the breaking of the day. This is an appearance of the pre-incarnate Christ. And when, the, when, and when he, I'm going to say the angel, saw that he, the man, did not prevail against him, he, the man, touched the hollow of his hip which is Jacob's thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he, the man, said, Let me go, for the day breaks. And he said, Jacob, and he, Jacob, said, I will not let you go until you bless me. He's hanging on for dear life. And he wanted blessed. He knew that this was a special individual. And he, the man, verse 27, said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he, the man, this is, remember, this is a Christ. He's going to rename him. Your name shall no longer be Jacob, which means liar, deceiver, supplanter, but Israel, which means governed by God. No more playing games. Jacob's done playing games with God. And it's time that the church and you and me Quit playing games with God. Every one of us is going to end up someday like my blessed mother-in-law. We're not getting out of here alive. Last I checked, 100% of people have passed into eternity. There's only one chance that you won't die. And that's if the Lord comes back in what we call the tribulation, or not the tribulation, but the, the, the um, what's it called? The, gee, I hate it when this happens. Huh? The rapture. Gee, I don't know why that happens to me. Maybe God wants audience participation. <laughs> you, know? you know, he comes back in the rapture, and he takes his church out of the world. And with that time isn't known yet. It's an unknown time. It could happen right now because all the prophecies are fulfilled that would allow it. He could come right now. Well, he could come a thousand years from now. It's important that we live for him now because if we're not going to be here a thousand years from now. It's important that we meet our maker and surrender to our maker now. The church needs to quit playing games with this, hoping they're going to heaven, make taking scriptures out of context and stuff like that. They need to stop it. You need to quit playing games with God. I played games with God for 27 years. And then there came that day that I ended up like Jacob. I wrestled with him. I wrestled with my sin. And finally, I surrendered. Hey, I wasn't perfect after that, believe me. I had a lot of undoing to do. And even to this day, 45 years later, I still have wrestling with God. And I don't know why I lose every battle. It's just sin nature, I guess. 
I won't let go until you bless me. And he, the man, said, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he, the man, said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, you, you know, supplanter, liar, deceiver, but Israel governed by God. For like a prince, you have power with God. He, he wrestled with this angel, and he had power to hold this angel down. Even like, even like a father was wrestling with his son, he certainly could win the battle. But he lets the child win. I used to do that in my chess games as I taught my kids how to play chess. You know, they got so upset that I would always win the game. And finally, I just gave in. I let them win. You know, and that's, that's fun. They finally got, I beat Dad. I beat Dad. That's what he's saying there. I held on to the Lord. That's what Jacob said. I held on to the Lord. I wasn't going to let him go at all. Verse 29, and Jacob asked and said, I pray you reveal your name. So Jacob's asking the angel what his name is. And he, the man, the angel said, why do you ask my name? And he, the man, blessed him there. Listen, this angel blessed Jacob. Now, Jacob is, is one of our patriots, patriarchs. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay? These are the greatest men in the Bible, really. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because they knew the true God. But what does he say? He says here, you know, um, you wrestled with me and you prevailed. And here's what Jacob says. You know, why well, don't try to drive out there? The man, the angel, blessed Jacob. And Jacob is high up on the totem pole, if you want to call it a totem pole. It isn't. But, you know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. This man was greater than Abraham because the the. The, ble the, the greater always blesses the lesser. See what I'm saying? God blessed you. He blessed you most of all with his son, should you choose to have him. He blessed you with all good things. His loving kindnesses were new every morning in your life. Great was his faithfulness to you, even when you didn't see it. Sometimes it might take a while, but it's there. You look back at those times. So this man, the angel, blessed Jacob. So the greater is blessing the lesser that tells you that Jacob is under him in priority. Jacob called the name of the place, verse 30, face of God. Face of God, Peniel. That's the name of the place, Peniel. Because he said, I have seen God's face to face and my life is preserved. This was a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ wrestling right now you guys out there over the internet and maybe even here are wrestling with jesus christ it's time to surrender you're wrestling with him face to face and you know you're wrong you know you're wrong in sin but you do it anyhow well he can deliver you and he can set you free Jacob seen the face of god but he didn't die because he didn't see the whole he didn't see Elohim, Father, Son, Holy Spirit as one entity. Like Moses, whenever he said, I want to see you. And God said, you can't see me because you just turned to dust. You'd perish. He said, but I'll tell you what I'll do. Moses, if you want to see me, I'll stick you in the cleft of the rock and I'll pass by and I'll let you see my hind parts. Because if you saw me face to face, you would just die. That's what Jacob is saying here. Listen. He's saying, I saw the Son of God 
face to face, and I'm not dead. So he named the place the face of God, Peniel. Sound, sound, sound good? Wouldn't you do that? If you saw a special place where you wrestled with God, he named it Peniel, face of God. You can look that up in the King James Version, the Young's Literal Version, the, e, e, the ESV Version, the NSB Version, the Revised Standard Version. This is an appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ before he was put into a body, you know, sent and overshadowed Mary, and the seed of God was placed in her womb. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. See, he was always with God. John says this, in the beginning was the Word, first verse, first chapter, first verse of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So here's the Word of God, the Son of God. You have the Father, the Son, who is the Word, and the Holy Spirit. Okay? He knew this. The Word of God was made flesh. When we, that's why we celebrate Christmas, and that's why Jesus went... You know, that's what Jesus taught us and did everything for us and healed us and, and, uh, and saved us should you believe in what he did on the cross. Verse 12, 31, And as he, Jacob, passed over Peniel, the sun rose upon him, and he limped on his thigh. This was like Paul's thorn in the flesh. He never recovered from that limp. He was limping from that day on so that he would always remember and not slide back into the muck and the mire of which he came out of. He, he got this, this, this hip out of joint, and he limped. Now, a constant reminder that he wrestled with God. Paul had a similar thing. Paul had a thorn in the flesh, as you well know, 2 Corinthians 12. He had a thorn in the flesh, and we don't know what that thorn is. But that was a constant reminder to him that he had met Jesus on that road to Damascus. What was the thorn? Nobody knows. They speculate. Could have been eyesight, could have been malaria, and after effects of some kind of disease. Some, some scholars think it was the Pharisees that kept on hounding him and chasing after him. It wasn't physical. It was, it was, it was emotional. These Jews chasing him down everywhere. Again. They were like a thorn in your side. So it could have been that. We don't know. The point is, every time that happened, he remembered the road to Damascus. Every time Jacob lipped on his, thigh, on his thigh, he remembered he wrestled with this angel. And he saw the face of God. Verse 32, And therefore the sons of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh, which is on the hip socket until this day, because he, the man, the angel, touched Jacob's hip socket, the sinew or the muscle of the thigh. Listen, it's a, not only is it a constant reminder to Jacob, but to all of Israel that Jacob limped. Every time they saw him limping, they remember he, he, you know, he wrestled with God. And you know what else? It's a sign to us too because now we know that Jacob fought with the angel or wrestled with the angel. He limped on his side, and every time we think of Jacob, we think of he saw the face of God. How many people here ever saw the face of God? Hmm? Not many. So I should say the face of the Son of God. How about that? That's it. So he's wrestling with his sin, and he's going to lose. So I mentioned last week, there's three crossings in this passage. There's the Red Sea crossing, 
the Jordan River crossing, and the, the Jabuk crossing here. The Red Sea crossing, and many of you have done it, you crossed with a multitude of redeemed people. You crossed with a multitude of redeemed people who left Egypt from their captivity and slavery over there. But in you have parted, you have come through the crossed the Red Sea because you crossed it with a multitude of other people like me, like you, you know, like, like the people in the church down the road and that church over there and the church in Brazil and the church in Africa. You know, we, we crossed this river, the Red Sea, with the redeemed. There's also the crossing. Um, well, the crossing of the Red Sea was supposed to take us to the Promised Land. I might add that here. But you know, a lot of people today, a lot of Christians never get to the Promised Land. They end up in the wilderness for 40 years. They never get to the Promised Land. Because the Promised Land, they get to, and they won't get there because they lack three things. Number one, surrender, commitment, and complacency. Surrender, commitment, and complacency. Most Christians are wallowing in the desert area right now. They never get to the promised land. So the de Israel, the people across the Red Sea, the first generation ended up in the desert for 40 years because they did not believe. Although they saw all the mighty miracles God did in Egypt, you know, the frogs, the locusts, the hail, and, and the fire from the, the fi hail, hail and fire from the sky, all these things they saw. They saw the firstborn who didn't sacrifice the lamb was slain, the firstborn of uh, every family. They saw all that, but they never got to the promised land because they had unbelief. And again and again, says Psalm 78, verse 41, again and again, they tempted the Lord and limited the Holy One of Israel. And that's what a lot of people are doing today that are walking in the wilderness and never get to the promised land. They're limiting God. God won't heal you of your eyesight. God can't make you stop being crippled. God can't heal your cancer. God can't take away your headache. Listen, God can't take away your... You're not in the promised land yet. When you get to the promised land, you're going to see God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above whatever you ask or think. I personally prayed with two or three people who were on their way to the hospital or after they had already died that were resurrected by the doctors doing CPR in the hospitals. Two people like that. One lady came here one day, just a young lady in her 20s. She ended up falling over at her, her in-law's house or somebody, one of the relatives' house she fell over in the grass and her eyes rolled back in her head and she was supposedly dead and a believer laid hands on her and raised her up. But she was here that morning and committed her life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And she's not with the Lord anymore from what I understand. She still, she might not even be, um, she's probably in the, in the wilderness right now. Listen, you want to get to the promised land? You've got to surrender to the Lord. I told you last week, if you, don't, if you don't know that, get my book in the back. Take a copy, page 6 through 17, I believe it is. I could talk about absolute surrender, absolute commitment, absolute, com you know, I'm not being complacent, absolutely. So get that book and read it. Then there's the crossing of the Jordan River. You cross it 
See, 40 years later after that generation died off, uh, Joshua and Caleb led the people into the promised land. They had to cross the Jordan River, and they crossed the Jordan River as a victorious army. When you come across the Jordan River, you are walking with a victorious armor, army, like a church that believes in these things, a bunch of people that believe these things. There's a lot, there's a, right now I've been reading a little bit of stuff about a, uh, a uh, revival going on in Asbury, Tennessee, is it? I don't know, is it Tennessee? Listen, there's a revival going on. God's trying to wake up the church. People are flocking there. And sooner or later, some religious nut will come along and blow it for them. Start sorrowing crosses with Jesus hanging on there dead at the back of the church or whatever they do. You know, unbelievable. But hopefully we pray through this, it'll come through a true sort of revival. Like the revival of Jonathan Edward and, and uh, George Whitefield back in the 1700s. In Boston, where 50%, more than 50% of Boston got saved from the preaching of Jonathan Edwards and George Whitefield and a couple other big-name pastors back then. You crossed the river with a victorious army of the Lord if you got to the promised land. And Jake, uh, J- um, Joshua and Caleb actually believed God, and they were the only ones allowed to go into the promised land. And they took the promised land, just like they were supposed to. Or they didn't take it all. They should have taken it all. God told them to take it all. Drive out these heathens in there that are sacrificing their children to demons that are, are offering sacrifices to the devil. Get rid of them. They'll pollute my nation. They'll pollute my family. Just like you wouldn't allow your child to hang around with a dope-smoking uh, adulterator uh, boyfriend or girlfriend. You're protecting your family, and that's what God was doing. He was driving out the people in the promised land, protecting his family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So don't give God a bad name. Just like you would tell you that person to leave, God was telling you, drive these people out. You're at the Red Sea crossing with a multitude of redeemed people, which should be the church. You've got the crossing of the Jordan River, which is the victorious army of the Lord. And then you have the crossing of the Jabuk here, which means, as I said to you earlier, gurgling and empty. You're going to gurgle all the way through emptying yourself out and following in love with Jesus. You're going to have to gather up your courage, put on your bootstraps, and get going. March into the promised land. You're going to cross the Jordan River with a victorious army. And as you well know, Jake, uh, Joshua and Caleb took Jericho by marching around the city seven times and blowing shofars like, like the one we have over here, just like God told them to do. And then the walls just fell straight down, and they went in and conquered Jericho. And the fame of Israel passed throughout all the land. And everywhere they went, they tried to make covenants with Israel but they were unsuccessful because they, you know, they, God told them not to make covenants with them. One tricked them. One, one people, group of people tricked them and made them promise by a trick. And we won't get into that. Then there's the crossing of the, the Jabuk, 
But this crossing, you don't cross it with, with a multitude of redeemed people. You don't cross it with a victorious army. You cross it alone. You cross it alone. You're going to have to cross into the promised land alone. You can't ask me to help you. I can't ask you know, one of you guys to help me. You cross it alone. At this crossing means total surrender, absolute surrender, where you will receive, I, this is all last week, you missed it all. You need to get to church. You're gonna, where you will get a new name, just like Jacob, got a new name. No longer Jacob, deceiver, but Israel, governed by God. Don't you want a new name? I don't know what my new name's going to be. You don't know what your name's going to be. I think my new name's going to be Joseph instead of Joe. I think it's a more formal name. I think Joseph means faithful or something like that. Maybe you can get a whole new name. Even in Revelation, we find out in chapter 2, I think it's verse 17, that God gave them a white stone with their, their new name written on it. Listen, you're going to get a new name. It might be completely different, like, like uh, let's see, Saul to Paul. And how about Abram? Let's see, how about Sarah to Sarai, or Sarai to Sarah? Or how about Jacob to Israel? You're going to get a new name. I don't know what that's going to be. It's probably going to have something to do with your life down here. You're going to get a new name in the crossing of the Jabuk. You're going to get a new character. You're going to change. You know the big thing, the revivals, Billy Graham, Come just as you are, but when you leave this altar, you better not be the same as you were. You better be different. You're going to get a new character. A new character. You know, instead of being a liar, a deceiver, a drunkard, a drug addict, an adulterator, a fornicator, a pornography buff, instead of being that, you're going to be holy. And the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you. He's going to say, no, 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 don't do that. Because the flesh is going to war against the spirit, and the spirit's going to war against the flesh, so that you don't do what you want to do. Hopefully, the Holy Spirit will win. So you're a triune being. First Thessalonians says, Let the Lord sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be made complete until the coming of Christ. When you get born again, your spirit comes to life. Your body and soul are technically dead until you come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Once you get saved, your spirit comes alive. And then the soul man is supposed to submit to the spirit man, but that's where the wars come in. The, spirit, the soul man don't want to submit to the spirit man. He doesn't want to cut out his foul mouth. He doesn't want to cut out his drinking and his alcohol or his drugs or his adulterous affairs. So they fight against one another. But the Bible says... you. You were called to freedom, brethren, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. See that? You're not supposed to use your freedom in Christ as an opportunity to keep on doing what you are already doing. Because when you came to the Lord, you should have been a new character, a new, have a new creature, a new character. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away, and all things have become new. Too many Christians, I tell you, I, I know a lot of Christians. I'll tell you what, I'm shocked at their mouth. I'm shocked at their mouth. And James tells you that this tongue is a powerful little toll. And it directs the course of your life. 
So if you tell somebody to go drop dead, you know what? You just cursed yourself. Listen, your tongue is a fire, and it will direct you in your life. What you say is what you are. You know the whole, the Lord created the entire universe with a word, right? Let there be light with a word. Your words create. You can't say, go, go, F, whatever. You've got to stop that. But Christ, I hear it all the time. I jump around Christians a lot. And, and when they know I'm not there, I mean, when they know that they don't know that I'm there, I, I listen to their mouth. Unbelievable. I'm glad I have a hearing problem. <laughs> I really am. Some of that foul stuff that comes out of Christians' mouth is amazing to me. I wonder if you are a Christian. Examine yourself. And see if you are a Christian, says the Scriptures. Are you a Christian? Examine yourself and take the test. You've got a new name. You have a new character. And you certainly have hopefully cast down your idols. Get rid of the, the uh, horoscopes you're reading. And quit going to the tarot card readers and quit playing with the crystals of new age and come to God. You know what? I mentioned last week, King Saul went to a witch of Endor instead of going to God. And you know what it cost him? It cost him his life the next day. But you know what else? It didn't only cost him his life. His two sons were also killed. The sins of the forefathers pass on to the second and third generation. Listen. You've got to break that curse. I've done it years ago. I don't know what came down the family line. Could be adultery, drunkenness, pornography, lying, cheating, swearing, gambling. You've got to break that curse because that comes down the line. You know why it comes down the line? Because there's a demon attached to every one of them. You know why? Because our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against rulers, against powers, against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. You've got to realize your struggle is not against that person, your, your uncle or your dad or your mother. Your struggle is against the demon that is behind that. And when you cut that off in the name of Jesus Christ and plead the blood, those demons have to go somewhere else, but they ain't touching your family. But you, mom and dad, you have the authority over your children. You have authority over them. As long as they are with you, they are justified. They are sanctified. They are set apart. That's why Paul says the believing husband sanctifies the wife. That means she's set apart. Or the believing wife sets apart, sanctifies the husband. Because they're set apart. They're not saved. They're set apart. In other words, God's going to give them special treatment because you. And what his special treatment is, he wants that unsaved spouse to come to know him as his savior. So, you got to cast down all these idols. I know people that have been healed once they cast down their idols. Healed of their sicknesses that would have killed them. I'm not lying to you. I'm not a I'm I'm telling you the truth. You will not have victory over sin until you go to cross the Jabuk by yourself. You can't take me with you. You go alone. You have to surrender to the Lord alone. You have to commit your life to the Lord alone. 
Who cares if your peers don't go with you? You know what? God's got a whole bunch of other peers out there for you. I know two little, two young people sat right here in the front where Dan and, and Matt are, are sitting right now. They both came through the deliverance ministry. They both were delivered from amazing things. They're young people in their 20s. Somehow, we did the deliverance of ministries separately. They didn't even know one another. Somehow, they ended up sitting beside one another. And about four years, I married them. And now they have two beautiful girls. But they changed. They changed. They weren't the same ones that came through the fervent prayer ministry. They got off of their, their sins and got rid of them. And not, not that they don't have problems. Everybody has problems. We live in a fallen world. Now, they're new people. They're changed. Two beautiful kids. They were born again. Jabuk is being born again. You go across it alone. You know, my children aren't saved because of my faith. God has no grandchildren. He only has children. That's it. You heard that before. You're the bride of Christ, too, also. Listen, the, the Jordan River represents entering the promised land. But many Christians don't get there because they never went to Jabuk. Because they never totally surrendered to the Lord. They never made an absolute commitment to the Lord. They just want to wallow. They, they just want to be saved, but they want to do what they want to do. And that's not what the scriptures say. You do what God wants you to do. I quoted it. You know, you were called to freedom, but don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. By the way, that's Galatians 5.13. If you think I'm just talking off the top of my head. You read it right on that sign over there. So, that's kind of a review of last week. And this, is, this, isn't, this isn't wallowing the puddles of God, what you're hearing right now. You're hearing swimming for the deep gems in the Word of God. A lot of people don't get to this point. And that's why I think our church is small. I don't think the Christians want to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. A lot of them don't. They don't want to go knocking door to door. I hate going door-to-door door knocking for Jeff. Personally, I've done it, I don't know, 100, 100 times. I don't know how many times. I don't like it, but I've done it. If you want to know about Jesus, man, I'm going to be first to jump on you. But if I have to go knocking cold call, I'm just that's just not me. Now, Bill over here, he, no big deal for him. He'll do it anytime. <laughs> <laughs> We could, all, we could all use what you have, Bill. You know? Okay. Here, let me, let me read what Paul said. We talked about Jacob with his hip. Okay? Here's what Paul says. You know, remember, Paul had the thorn in the flesh. But he has this powerful passage that really confuses people. And I'm going to try to clarify it a little bit for you. It's Romans chapter 7, verse 15. For I do not understand my own actions. This is the great apostle Paul. He don't understand his own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do not but now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, 
but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is my flesh. This is Apostle Paul. For I have desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil do I not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who does it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in the members another war raging against the law of my mind, and it makes me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of soul, a uh, body of death? Thanks be to God, who gives me the victory through Jesus Christ my Lord, so that I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but my flesh I serve sin. Confusing? I get tricking my tongue's tripping over it, you know, doing those words. Let me try to clarify it for you. Remember I mentioned 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Let the God of peace sanctify you completely. May your spirit, soul, and body be preserved complete until the coming of Christ. Paul is actually having a battle here with the, with the spirit man and the carnal man, the flesh man. He's having a battle here. The flesh is warring against the spirit, and the spirit's warring back against the flesh, and that's Galatians 5.17. Because Paul's struggling with what you and I struggle with. Paul, the great apostle, doesn't that make you feel good that you're struggling and even the great apostles of the Bible were struggling with the same thing? Makes you feel like, hey, I'm going to heaven too. <laughs> you know? Paul had the same problem. Maybe uh, the sins were probably different, but a sin's a sin. If you've done one sin, you know, you're guilty of all. So here, let me clarify this. For I do not understand my own actions. That's the body man, the soul man talking. For I do, for I do not do what I want. That's the spirit man talking. I don't want to do it, but I end up doing it. So the next verse. But I do the very thing I hate. That's the flesh man warring against the spirit man. Do you see that? It's warring against the spirit. Paul's struggling just like you and I. Now, if I do... What I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. That's the spirit man talking again. Okay? So now, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. That's the flesh man fighting against the spirit man again. This is a battlefield, this chapter. The things that we need to watch Paul. Okay? So now, verse 7. If so now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me. That is in my flesh. So there's the spirit man talking again. Nothing good dwells in me. He knows it. You know it. You know you're a sinner, don't you? Because if you don't know you're a sinner, you're probably not saved. You have to know you're a sinner to be saved. That's why the Pharisees and the scribes had a big time problem. They thought they were saved. But Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, then you have no place with me. He was saying, hey, scribes and Pharisees, 
Your righteousness isn't good enough. You need my righteousness, Messiah's. So I have the desire to do right. That's the, this is Paul again, that's the spirit man, but what, not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want. That is what I keep on doing. So there's the spirit man battling the flesh man again. This is a battle that goes on and on and on every day with you and me, every single day. But know this, that this is the testimony that God has given you eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son of God has life. These things are written that you might know you have eternal life. So Paul's battling with this, but he knows he has eternal life. And you're going to battle with it because you know that you have eternal life. So you're going to heaven one way or the other because you've, you came up to the altar or you bowed your knee at home on the floor or in the car driving down the road. You, you, you accepted Jesus into your heart with, with your heart, not your head, but you, you said that. And, and you're saved. You're saved because you surrendered to him. But you've got to completely surrender to him to get to the promised land, not halfway. I have this against you. I'd rather you be hot or cold, because if you're lukewarm, I'll what? Vomit you out of my mouth. The church has got to wake up. We bring the world and its sin into the church, and we're supposed to take Jesus to the world. Someday soon, you're going to see the church of the alcoholics, the church of the pornographers, the church of sodomy. That's what's going to happen. They're going to think of it's a social club. It has nothing to do with repentance. Unless you will repent, Jesus said, you will likewise what? Perish. That's already 1130. Gee, I didn't even get anywhere near that I wanted to. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. I know my mother-in-law didn't perish. I know my dad didn't perish. I know my mother didn't perish. I know my uncle Tony didn't perish. I know Jew, um, um, my good friend, the Jewish convert, Cy Hanover, I know he's in the kingdom of heaven. I know a whole bunch of people, you know, Bondell, you, some of you don't know her, some of you do, Jimmy, Jimmy Kalahar, John, Ruda's husband, Helga's husband, Joe, they're all in the kingdom of heaven. And they're, you know what they're doing up there like my mother-in-law? I can't wait till you get here. And we're saying, I don't want to go. I don't want to go right now unless the rapture comes. Bring me home. I want the rapture to happen, happen right now. I go to God every day, not just once, probably several times a day. Get us out of here. I love what he created for me. I love the trees. I love the sky. I love the clouds. I love the, I love the, the cardinal was stealing my tomatoes this morning. <laughs> it's beauty. I love the squirrels running through the trees. You know, I love the ducks going to the neighbor's house and in my yard to eat seed. I love it all. It's beautiful, but it's nothing. It can't even compare to what we're having in heaven. And you want to keep this life? Years ago, about 40 years ago, a lady came into my office. She was older than me, and I witnessed to her. She owned a bar, 
And she, she rejected Jesus as I witnessed to her. And I said to her, I says, you know, you're, you're up there in age. You mean you would rather trade the few years you have left for eternity? Are you insane? <laughs> I didn't say that to her, but I'm there like, are you insane? That's what I'm thinking. Eternity? And what, what, you might have 10, 15, maybe even 20 years left. Maybe 20 minutes. Are you insane to trade eternity for a few years left? But you know, peer pressure holds us back. I said, you're going to fall in love with Jesus? You fall in love with Jesus, peer pressure ain't going to hold you back. That's why Jesus said, you know, I call you back to your first love. When you first got saved, the things that you did then, start doing them again. I used to knock on doors. I used to print tracts. I used to give out tracts. I used to preach to practically everybody that came into my business. You know what? I used to pray with them, too, when they came in. Get back to that, Joe. Get back to that. In the last week, just in Freedom Church, I know three people that were delivered from demons. In this little church, some of the... Some larger churches, maybe with thousands of people, don't have the privilege of leading people to deliverance, to into the promised land. We need to recognize, don't despise the day of small beginnings like Freedom Church. We've been small for 10 years, but God is getting things done because it's his work that we're doing here. Listen, I'm going to end there because it's time, but... We're going to be in this next week, okay? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the word that went out here today. Lord, we love your word. It's so beautiful. So beautiful, Lord. Bless it to our hearts what we heard today. Help us, Lord, to get to the promised land, not just to cross the Red Sea with a multitude of redeemed, not just to, to cross the Jordan River with a victorious army, but to cross the Jerbuk alone and surrender completely to you. I pray that many people do that today with all their hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. God bless you, everybody. Those online, tune in next week. I love you all, whether I saw you or not. Amen. Amen.